Yes, sir. Welcome back. It's another edition of For the Love of the Game. This is the one and only Nick Andrak. I'm glad to have you guys tuned in with me as always. We're continuing our team previews for the upcoming 2023-24 NBA season. And today we're going to ATL. We're going to talk about the Atlanta Hawks. we got a lot to discuss. And I'm joined by a very special guest who covers this team up close. Producer for Fox 56 News in Kentucky and the host of the Believe in Hawks podcast. I got Mr. Bryce, man. How you doing, man? Glad to have you on. Hey, man. I'm glad to be on, man. I'm doing all right, man. Glad, glad to, you know, be a part of uh, or be the voice uh, for, for the Hawks, you know, because not a lot of people feel like there's a lot of those out there. So I'm glad to, you know, try to be one of those guys. No, I definitely, talk about the squad. I mean, definitely appreciate your voice, man, covering the team. Man. I'm definitely a big fan of the pod. You know, I've, I've listened to a few episodes, man. I can't wait to see. I appreciate you, know. you, man. Yeah, no, definitely. Man. I can't wait to see, you know, what you have next coming up. But let's go ahead and do a, a last season recap of the team. Finished the season at 41 to 41. Ended up getting into the playoffs. They ended up beating Miami in the playing tournament. Lost to the, lost to the Celtics in six games in the first round. Nate McMillan was dismissed uh, throughout the season. Then they hired in Quinn Snyder. So my first question to you is, what was your biggest takeaway from last season for the Hawks? Uh, biggest takeaway is, for me, is just um, there, there was there was a lot of, there was a lot going on with, with the team and with the franchise. I mean, you just mentioned what happened on the court. We didn't even mention what happened in the front office with uh, Travis Link officially being, you know, out right. out of the front office, and then the changing of the guard and who and the owner's son is for some reason has a lot of power and. Just all types of stuff happened, man. A lot of stuff happened last year, but and and it makes sense why the on court product could have potentially been affected by that. I remember Jajante Murray said something about a lot of our issues aren't even on the court related. Um, so just a lot, man, going on, and uh, I think it, it kind of just the, the way the season started, the way the season went, and the way it ended. I think it ended better than the way it started, and the way it wasn't even midway through the season. Um, I think you had a team at the end of the year obviously with the new coach coming in, Quinn Snyder, um, and trying to get an idea of what he liked and what he didn't like, and then trying to make that work uh, and trying to even try to make a run. I mean, it just kind of shows you the type of season it was. A lot of just all over the place, a lot of you know, risk, a lot of just not enough cohesion everywhere. And I think, you know, now you can put that in the past and you can kind of look forward to the future. Yeah, uh, that actually reminds me of this uh, this Quinn Snyder quote that I that I heard him say. Uh, I think it was during media day. He said, "A lot of our improvements and development needs to come internally." So does that does that translate to the team in general and even like the front office as well? Um, yeah, I, I think when he made that quote, the thing about the Hawks that a lot of people seem to forget is this team is still a very young team. Yeah. Their best players are still twenty four and twenty five. They're not at all polished. They're not at all complete. They're not at all like it's not the Clippers where you pretty much know outside of guys like Terrence Mann and guys like that. They pretty much those guys are those guys. Like right. they're, they're not going to get this much better. You know, the thing with I think that hurt under Nate McMillan was that he has gone out on record multiple times and said they weren't developing in press conferences. And you have a lot of your players are in your like you know below twenty five. That's kind of a crazy to say. Like it's not like these guys are polished, and they like I said, they know what they're like already know what they are, and I, I think now with, with Quinn, he's coming in and saying we're going to set a foundation, and we're going to develop these guys. You know, a lot of people were kind of out on DeAndre Hunter last year, and now they're wondering, okay, with well, Quinn Snyder, will he maybe be better than what people have seen? Um, you know, even Trey 
we saw what Trey did those last four games of the playoffs. You know, first two games, you know, he had a very inconsistent season last year. Trey was very up and down. And those yeah. last four games reminded you of the Trey Young that people were like, this is one of the best point guards in the game. You know, and I, and I think you still have guys like Jalen Johnson who people think could have a big breakout season. A.J. Griffin, Ayaka Okongu. You have so much young talent on this team that he feels like if we can tap into that, that in and of itself can make this team better. And so I think he's really – and I think that's why they didn't make as many changes as some people thought they were going to potentially make this offseason because he maybe feels like a lot of – if we can get more out of the guys that we have, we may, we're going to have a better on-the-court product. I mean, I like to use this one example of uh, the Boston Celtics. I always like to use the example of Ime because they didn't change the roster. They just hired a new coach exactly. and added Al Horford. <laughs> and, I mean, I mean, they, you know, Al Horford's not that big of an impact player, and now they're a finals team. That was eternal. They had to change things eternally, and then they got the most out of their team. Now, I'm not saying the Hawks are going to make the finals. I'm just saying that that's what they're hoping for is that a different culture, a different identity, a better foundation will help lead this team to more success on the court this year. Yeah, um, it's. I mean, and I think that's what people need to remember is that this team is still relatively young because I think people look at, you know, they, they made it to the conference finals two years ago. And, you know, again, you know, it was a great run for them. But, you know, people see them now. It's like, you know, they've been on the border of a playoff team. You know, they've been in the playing tournament the past few years. But I think people mm-hmm. have to remember that this is still a rel- relatively young team. Their, their franchise guy is still about 24, 25 years old. So, I mean, there's, there's still a lot of room to grow for this team, man. And, you know, I think, I think that people just have to – be just slightly patient with them as far as as, as far as their progression. Um, I want to talk about John Collins a little bit because now John Collins was recently traded to the Utah Jazz in the offseason. And even throughout the past few years, there's been rumblings about him possibly being dealt. Uh, there was it, there was rumors about him and Trey Young possibly having chemistry issues on the court. So can you talk a little about can you talk a little about the trade that sent John Collins to Utah? You know, talk about how like his impact was on the team. Yeah, I mean, it's something that we've seen coming for a while. We've heard in multiple trade rumors. I think we've also heard that John hasn't been the happiest year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's understandable. I mean, when people don't realize that Eastern Conference Finals year, the, the the organization at that time went from rebuilding to saying, let's make the playoffs. So then they added guys like Bogdanovich that year, Gallinari. You right. know, they, they, I think, I think the pre, I don't know if it was that season. I can't remember exactly, but then we added Clint Capella. I want to say, either beginning of like one of the, one of the parts of the seasons, like around that. So we added a bunch of guys basically. And his role changed. Like him and Trey were the only two players, realistically best two players on the Hawks before that. Right. And John was averaging like 20 and 10. Exactly. And he was doing it on very efficient numbers. Him and Kat, I think both averaged 20 and 10 and they both did it on a certain shooting percentage uh, and different clips. So he was playing at a level where it's like, oh, yeah, this is a really good four in the league. And then when those guys came in, the role changed. And so he then was not involved as much as before. Um, I think with the trade, people were all, were upset about what we got back. But I was like, it wasn't a situation where we, we were, we need to bring back all these guys. We need to bring in some type of player. It's more of, Let's get him off the books. Because obviously, you know, we've heard about salary cap has maybe been an issue for this team. Ownership may not want to pay that. But let's get him off the books. Let's, you know, get him in a better situation. It puts us in a better situation because, you know, obviously you don't want a player in your team who isn't bought in or isn't happy because that can affect performance. We've seen what happened with DeAndre Hayden. You know, you don't want – 
And so I think they just really want to make sure that he could get a clean break and they could get a clean break, and then they both sides can move forward. And I think, especially with the emergence, I think, of Jalen Johnson, I think that has made them feel more better about making a move like that, um, just because it's like, well, we have someone who can fill that role if we decide to move off from which they decided to do. So overall, I mean, what he meant for this team is he was really one of the vocal guys on this team. He was he was kind of like the jokester on the team. He was kind of funny, you know. Right. He made jokes. He was you know he had to had to handshake with Bogdanovich. Um, you know he he had all types different types of things going. He was Trey's uh, pick and roll partner. Uh, and you know I think everybody at media day when they brought up John talked very highly of him. That nobody had any ill will towards him. I don't think he had any issues with any players. Right. Everybody appreciated what John brought to the table and what happened with him. You know so. Overall, I think, you know, it was a trade they felt like they needed to make. I feel like it was also time to make that because, listen, if he's not happy, if he's not bought in, you don't want someone, especially with a new culture and a new staff and a new everything coming in, you don't want someone who's already bought out. So I think this was the perfect time to make a move like that. Would you also say that bringing in a guy like DeJounte Murray also played a role in, you know, in John Collins' role being minim like being minimized because I mean like you said, I mean he was a twenty and ten type of guy and then you just start started seeing like you know the numbers decrease and then of course his role being decreased. So would you say that the Jonte Murray coming in also played a role in that? I I don't because his role like I said was already decreasing before. Right. And I also think with Nate McMillan, one of the things I've always criticized him about is I just feel like he doesn't maximize his players. I mean, literally, John, there were multiple games where John would start off really good and then we just stopped going to him. That's not a that's not a player thing. That's a, that's a coach thing. Right. Coach has to be able to see that and say, let's keep going to that. And I felt like Nate did not value John and what he could bring to the team. And I think because they ran more of an ISO, it's kind of like Trey's the maestro for everything. And it just it just didn't suit the brand of basketball that John probably needs. John's probably good in a very – in a very like you know ball movement eccentric uh you know offense just because you know he can obviously we know he's a lobber he can lob he also even though his three-point shooting dipped last year he could hit a three well he also has a mid-range game so right. i think he's now you need to get him in the rhythm of the game he's not a guy you can just kind of just force it to but like someone who can be effective with, with effective touches and, and creative game planning of how to get him good shots so i think i do think when quinn came in there i think there were games where you saw oh, we have an advantage in the post. Let's go to Speed John. So, and they would feed John and John would start off really well and then they'd make an adjustment and then they go to whatever the next thing would be. So, you know, I don't think DeJounte really played a part in that to me just because, like I said, his role was already diminishing. Plus, he had the finger injury the year previously before this last year. That has affected, I think, affected his shot a little bit because, it, you know, it's still, you know, if I don't know if you've seen it, but it still looked weird I and everything. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like that. I mean, it was, I guess it was healthy, but it wasn't like normal. And I don't know if maybe that changed the way he shoots the basketball, and you know, all that. So, um, you know, I think, like I said, John was just already going down a downhill trajectory with what we were doing as a team as a, and as a whole. Yeah, the writing was on the wall for a while. It seemed like with John Consul. I mean, it's like you mentioned to I me, mean, you know, seeing his role get diminished somewhat. Um, and, I, and I agree. I mean, he's that type of player where it's like you have to continue to keep him, you know, keep him active offensively. You know, he's a guy that, you know, that can run the pick and roll. You know, he's very effective in the pick and roll. He can play the pick and pop stress the floor. You know, he's great on face-ups around the mid-range. So, you know, he's definitely a guy that you have to continue to keep going to offensively, you know, especially especially if he is, you know, engaged into the offense. So, you know, I definitely wish him the best in Utah moving forward. And, you know, that that's a young team that's on the rise as well. So 
mm-hmm. I would love to see how he would he would thrive in that area. Um, next thing I want to talk about is the Hawks as a whole defensively because, I mean, many can say that it was abysmal to say the least. Um, <laughs> they ranked they ranked uh, 26 in points allowed. They had a 115 defensive rating. So, what were your what were your takeaways last season defensively, and how do you think that could improve moving forward into this year? I mean, last year I I said that defensively. The problem you had was one thing about great defenses, Denver, Golden State, Milwaukee, is that they can switch. Right. You got to be able to switch out of high level. Mm-hmm. If you look at the Hawks starting lineup, the only person who could really effectively switch was the, uh, DeAndre Hunter. You can't switch really trade on anybody. Can't really switch. I mean, DeJounte can guard. I feel like DeJounte guards point guards better. Obviously, naturally, he's a point guard. Right. So he guards point guards better. Two guards is kind of shaky with him. Um, John Collins can guard threes, but they have to be like Tobias Harris like threes, like not like LeBron James. Like, I mean, like you like he can he can do it. Like the thing is John can do it. It's, it's just not gonna be great, but he can do right. it. And then Clint Hall was a traditional center. I mean, you know, he's you know, he's kind of slow footed, he's just more of a you know, if you keep him in front of him, he can block shots and things like that. So the, I felt like the defensive team we had just didn't work. Um, I think this year you have either they're going to start Jalen Johnson or Shadiq Bay. Both guys can switch. Yeah. So that's good. Even though Shadiq's not known as a defender and, and actually struggled there, he can still switch. Um, DeAndre can switch. Trey, under Quinn Snyder, played better defensively last year. Um, you know, and I think that also might – we'll see how that works with DeJounte – and then, you know, again, Clint Capella is a good just shot blocker. And it could be a good defender depending on who he's playing. That's true. And you still got Yaki Kongu comes off the bench, who's also really good at uh, defending as well. So last year, they couldn't really stop anybody. They basically had to outscore you to win. Like you saw in the playoffs last year, game six and game sevens and other series, it would be like 90 to 89. Just because, like, you know, you know the team. Like, you know, it's just one of those grinded out games. Exactly. Hawks can do that. They couldn't do that to nobody. They had to be great offensively for them to be able to have a chance. That's why the Boston game was in the 130s, 120s all the time. Because that's just how they had to play basketball. So, going into this year, I think, you know, Quinn Snyder mentioned it in the, in the media day, how he hopes, you know, that they make a commitment. It's, and it's not something that's going to happen overnight. You have to commit to it and cons- consistently commit to become a defensive team. And that may be something they want to add to the identity. One thing I've always said about the team is they never had an identity. So, you know, you you for the Hawks, if you can keep the same offense you had last year, you really just need to be in the middle of the pack defensively. You know, and then you'll you'll take that next that next step. So can they get to that point? You know, and I think that'll be interesting to kind of see how do they invest defensively this year. But they seem connected to Queen, so that might lead to more effort on the defensive ends, especially since Trey. Uh, started playing with more defensive effort at the end of last year. Yeah, um, that, that that was something that I realized too is that you know I think it was more so. I mean, obviously you know, you know structure wise, but also you know more of an effort thing. I think that you know they just have to be able to prioritize and just playing defense and just really trying to get a stop. So that's something that that I that I hope that they could possibly work on. You know, moving into this year, like I said, you know, I mean, even though Trey's a real small guy, you know, he's not known as a defender, but if he can if he can find a way to possibly stay in front of his man and just, you know, just try to be disciplined on that end of the floor. I think that'd be great as well. DeJounte has always been known as a great defender. Um, Capella, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, you know, a great rim protector. And then you got other guys as well. So if they can just be locked in on that end, be great, be, be great, be, be more effective, you know, communicating and everything. I think, I think, I think that they could be a lot better. Um, 
I want to talk about Ayeka Kongo a little bit because I guess many many people believe that he may fill in that role, you know, as, as far as a starting power forward, you know, since John Collins is out. Do you agree with that, or would you go with another guy like maybe Jalen Johnson? Uh, yeah, I'd probably go with Jalen. I think but, but the big thing for Ayeka is I, I just think he's better in a center role, but I don't know. He's also been working on trying to be able to hit threes. He had a developing range last year. Um, so you could do that. I, I just think I just think that they want if it's gonna be Jalen, that's them fully committing to Jalen Johnson taking the next step and thinking he's going to become the player they think he can become. And I know a lot of people are waiting for Ayaka Kangu to also do the same thing. It's just with Clint Capella there, he hasn't been able to be that player because he just isn't the starter. Um, obviously some people are going to be like, keep an eye on the Hawks around the trade deadline. Some team might need a center. Clint Capella may be available. And because again, you have a Yucca, so it's not like we don't have a center after them. And then you would just move Bruno Fernando to your backup center, which I'm fine. With. So I, I think a Yucca, you know, what, what Quinn Snyder wants is for everybody to be a threat. If a Yucca can hit a three, that probably could lead to him finishing games. Because now, offensively, they can have Yeka, who's a better versatile defender. He's a much better lateral defender than Clint Capella, and can hit and can hit from all three levels inside mid range three. And then you can have Jalen or Bay, whoever you feel like you want to finish the game with there. And then you got everybody else, and not everybody's a threat offensively. And you still feel like you have versatility defensively too. That's true. So. That's why I think he would be better at center just for a versatility standpoint. I'd rather my front line potentially be Hunter, Jalen Johnson, and Yaka Kongu, you know, than Clint Capella at that center spot. Because, again, it's like, well, teams are just going to try to switch Capella onto whoever their best player is and then just take advantage. At least a Yaka I know can put up a fight. Like, you know, like he's not an easy, like, oh, yeah, this is easy, Matt. Like, a Yaka can put up a fight there. Clint is like, like I said, he's the typical center, so you can easily just go past him. Boom. No problem. Obviously, you just have to make sure he doesn't get you from behind in the trailing position. But exactly, you know, that's to me why I think Ayaka would be better as a center. I just the question everybody's just going to know is: Is he going to become the starter at some point this year? Is that in the plans? Is that in the cards? Yeah, I think I think you know, especially Hawks fans, you know, they've been really really high on on Yucca ever since you know ever since he came to the organization. You know, you talk about his versatility; he's very athletic. You know, I think that he could be a great you know, like you know lob threat and everything, especially playing next to Trey Young. So I think that's why a lot of people um, are really high on, y- on Yucca. But I love I love the fact that you touched on Jalen Johnson, too, because I think that he's a guy that's, like, you know, slow, slowly progressing. I don't know if many people are really paying attention, but, you know, when you talk about his versatility, his ability to space the floor and be able to put the ball on the floor, you know, I just think that, you know, I think that it's very crucial, especially for a team like this. Um, but now, now I want to talk about DeAndre Hunter because I feel like a lot of insiders and even Hawks fans are – I mean, it's like it's it's almost like it's almost like people love him or they hate him. You know, I think that he's very good. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, even for him, you know, he averaged career highs even last year. He averaged around 15 a game, shot 46 percent from the floor. And I've been on record saying that, you know, whenever DeAndre is engaged and is active on the um, on the offensive end, you know, the Hawks are a way better team. So can you touch a little bit more on DeAndre and his impact? Yeah, I mean, DeAndre, you know, I think a lot of people people forget also going to his Carmen's finals year. DeAndre before he got hurt was averaging like 18 a game. Like he was he was playing really well. You know, like he 
he showed people like, wow, okay, yeah, he could be, he could be that guy. And then ever since that injury and coming back from it and the seasons afterwards, he's never gotten back to that. He's been extremely inconsistent. He's had a lot of games where he'll have like eight points. And he'll have some games we'll have like 19-20. And it's just a lot of inconsistency. And I think a lot of people are just like, is he him or is he not? And then he's also struggled defensively at times, which I think with DeAndre, he does better against his natural position and bigger players. You put him against quicker players, he struggles a little bit more, which, I mean, you can maybe say makes sense, right. you know. But um, – I think this is this the big thing I think this this organization wants to see from DeAndre this year is okay. We're gonna use you a little differently. We're gonna we were gonna put a different you know staff around you, a different system around you. How do you respond? How do you develop? You know, Quinn Snyder mentioned in Media Day, he said, Oh, we might want to use DeAndre more from the block. Which, you know, hey, I mean DeAndre's a strong guy. Like he's 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 not built, he's he's built strong. Like I always say against the heat. He has better games against them because of the problem is a lot of Hawks have a lot of smaller players and the Heat are a physical team. DeAndre is one of the few guys who can get in there and kind of just body with him because he's like, I'm strong. I'm just as strong as you are stronger than you. So I can get into the paint and battle in there and get and get buckets, you know? So I think that's why they're thinking about block, maybe trying to get him closer to the rim. I mean, DeAndre said, I mean, Quinn knows he's not going to take away the mid-range. I think he wants him to still use the shot that he's best effective with. But I Obviously, work on the three-point shot because Quinn wants everybody to shoot threes. So, you know, I think they're going to see what he's going to be. If DeAndre makes another step where he does seem to play better, then that will bode well for him. But if not, and he struggles or he's inconsistent, you could hear his name at the trade deadline too. Remember, he was one of the main people in the Siakam trade. If that trade actually happened, that would right. be probably traded in that trade. So that is another guy who could potentially have his name come up around that deadline if he could struggles. But if DeAndre plays well, unless again there's someone available the Hawks want, and then you know you, you know you, obviously if he raises his value, that can only help. But you know, I, I think people are going to know. Okay, got got new system, new coach. We're developing. We're going to use you differently. What do you do? If you give us more consistency, then okay, we may be able to keep you now. A little bit long. If you don't, maybe you'll get moving potentially. So it'll be interesting to see what DeAndre Hunter turns into, I think, this year. Yeah. So let's let's speak hypothetical. So let's say for instance, if DeAndre Hunter does get up to a possible slow start, you know, maybe the first month of the season or so. Do you possibly see a guy like maybe Sadiq Bay possibly stepping in and possibly having a bigger role in the um in the rotation, maybe? Maybe, but I feel like Quinn would rather just. I mean, if they move Hunter, that's when they would make that move. Right. I I just think they with their bench, they want to keep the bench mob intact, and they want to keep Bogey and Bay coming off the bench, where it's like they both come off. Now you just got all the shooting coming, coming your way. So, so I, I don't. But because the, the thing about Bay is like, if they really need to, they can have him still play like thirty minutes. They did that a couple of times last year. Right. Where he was just working with what the offense was doing, and they kept him out there for a long time. So. That also could be what happens there. I don't. I don't know if they're going to just say Bay is going to start, but maybe. I, I don't know. Like this is first year Quinn's going to truly, I think, make those types of decisions. Like last year, I think he was really was just evaluating. Now we'll get to see if somebody struggles. Are you making a move? Are you making a change? So I think that's an actually interesting point that you brought up to see. You know, if DeAndre does struggle, does that change? You know, with this lineup, or does that make them more aggressive for maybe pursuing the trade? We don't know. Yeah, 
I mean, it's like I said, I mean, I'm 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 pretty high on DeAndre. I, I love his value as a team or, you know, on this team. And I feel like, you know, like whenever he is more engaged offensively and whenever they do run plays for him and allow him to be effective on the perimeter, I think that it makes the team a lot better. Um, a game that kind of comes up to me, I want to say the Hawks played in Utah. I don't remember exactly mm-hmm. his stat line. I think he had like at least 30 or something like that. But I know he gets some really big time shots down the stretch of that game. So. You know, like I said, I mean, whenever they do make it an effort to go to DeAndre, I think that he can be really effective and it can make the Hawks a better team moving forward. Um, I want to talk about the backcourt duel now, Trey Young and DeJounte. You know, year one, you know, so I, I'll be honest. So when the when the trade first went down, when they first got DeAndre, I thought that there would be more opportunities for trade and more still playoff ball and allow DeJounte to be, you know, a lot of, like to be a, be a primary ball handler at times, but it seemed like it was more so of Trey being a primary ball handler and really just running the offense. So what what grade would you give Trey and DeJounte in their first in in their first season together? And how do you think that they can improve as a duo moving forward? Um I actually would give them a, a B to be honest. Okay. Um I think I mean for the most part they they did they played I mean they they did play well. I mean Josh had 20, Trey had 25. I mean yeah get 45 in your backcourt. From that perspective, I think things went well. They had to make adjustments to each other because that's just part of it. Right. Um, so I, I think overall, I think you, you got you got what you wanted. I know some there are some things maybe left to be desired. Um, you obviously want some better decision making from them at times. One of the biggest things is the Houston game. And, you know, just keeping their emotions in check. You know, when they were blowing out Houston, they were both balling and then they lost. And, you know, that was just like, okay. <laughs> but um, I think this year, I, I, I want to touch on the off-ball point because Quinn also talked about it. I feel like Nate McMillan last year would talk about, we want to play Trey off ball. But I don't think, the thing with Nate is you can tell he's very like players figured out. Right. And so he was just like, okay, Trey figure out how to play off ball. Quinn said, mentioned that in the media day about that, about playing Trey off ball. And he said, you know, we don't play Trey off ball, but Trey, Trey might ask me, okay, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to cut? Do you want me to come off screens? Do you want me to just run around? Like, what do you want me to do? Right. You can't just like play off ball. What do you want me to do off ball? That's what I think will be the difference between them trying to play Trey off ball this year with DeJounte and then last year, because there's a plan in place for the for Trey to play off ball and what they want him to do while he's off the ball. Because Trey's going to get a lot of the defensive attention. So we need to take advantage of that. Exactly. He may be, you know, moving their defense where, where Trey going, and that could open up opportunities for other players. So I think. That should be better this year. Um, and then in terms of the backcourt, I, I think one thing is when you have guys like that, especially since DeJounte was, is a natural point guard. Right. I think Quinn Snyder did this at the end of last year. I think Quinn told DeJounte, when Trey's in the game, he will be our main point. He's like, you know, his playmaking, you know, it's just Trey. You know, he's going to be your main guy. I want you to focus on scoring. You're too. Like, focus on scoring the ball. Focus on getting shots up. And then when when Trey comes out, then become the point. So I think last year you noticed at times they were kind of like, who's going to be the point guard this possession? Like, are you going to play point and run it? Are you, or do you want me to play it? And when you have that, that can add indecisiveness to the offense. Exactly. But I think Quinn's like, DeJounte, when you're out there with Trey, you're at two. So your priority, your primary uh, uh, job is to score the ball, you know? And then, like I said, we'll make adjustments when Trey comes off the floor. So I think, I expect that chemistry to be better. I expect them to be able to play off each other better. And I expect them to like, you know, basically kind of know what each other's strengths are and be able to work together better within that backcourt. Um, I, I 
I think with CoinEd only just will accelerate that process in terms of their partnership um, and help, you know, produce a better, even, I don't know if the points, so to say, are going to be that much better, but you may just see an overall better brand of basketball with them both, which ultimately is what you would want to do because those are your two best players. So um, I, I, I do, I am very curious to know what they look like, but I am very I am very hopeful that we will see a much more efficient backcourt and that will lead to pretty, pretty big results for this team. Yeah. To me, I think that this duo can only get better with the time because I mean, I mean, the two high IQ players, but they also show how much they really do want to play together. I mean, they, they seem like they have a really good relationship on the court and off the court, you know, even last year, you know, they both made an effort to say, Hey, we want to play together. And then the mm-hmm. Hawks made the trade happen. And even this year in the offseason, you know, they were working out together as well. So, I think that the chemistry will only get better within time. You know, I just think that, you know, that they need to figure things, figure some things out on the court, you know, figure out, you know, how they want to play, like the play style and everything. But I think, you know, once they get that figured out, I think that they could be a great backcourt duo, you know, to come in the future. Uh, so last question before we get out of here, uh, we're going to make some predictions. So what record do you think the Hawks will have and where do you think they'll finish in the Eastern Conference? So... I don't know. Somebody may think I'm optimistic or whatever. I think the Hawks are going to have a high 40s. I think 47 to 49 wins. Okay. Um, I think that'll get them top five. I know they want a top four seed this year because they want to be able to have home court in the first round, um, which is a, which is a good goal to set for a team that, like I said, has been in the play in the last two years. DeJounte said play on is not an option. So if they're really committed to that, I think that you obviously have to be in the top six. So I think they can get to that top five. I mean, you probably think Eastern Conference, probably Bucks and Boston, probably top two teams. Philly, maybe, depends on what this – I don't know what they're going to get back in the Clippers trade if that happens. Right. Uh, but, I mean, you would assume they'll be around there. I mean, outside of that, I mean, I guess you think the Knicks and Cleveland, but, I mean, the Hawks may be in the same realm as them this year in terms of records. So, I mean, I think they can crack into that top four or five this year and, and be and, – and get out of the first round, too, for the first time. In a couple of years too, and and you know, and then we'll see what happens from that point on. Yeah, to me, I think I think they can be at least top six. I mean, when you talk about the roster, like you know I me, mean? and I think Quinn Snyder, he seems like he really has the team bought in. You know, it's like you mentioned me compared to Nate Nate McMillan. So, you know, if everybody can be engaged at both ends of the floor, and plus health is a big thing too. If everybody can stay healthy, I think that I think that the team can really get better at both ends of the floor. So I'm gonna say I'll say they probably win. I'll say. 44, 45 wins. I think that's I think, I think it's relatively fair, you know, in the mid 40s. And then if they could possibly land a possible six seed, I, th- I think that'd be great. So, Bryce, once again, thank you so much, man, for th- coming on the show, talking to Hawks, man. Um, definitely let the people know where to find you where, and where to find your work. Yes, sir, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce C underscore 2K, B R I C Y underscore 2K. I tweet about Hawks and Falcons, um, you know, and everything like that. So, keep up with the team, list latest things that happen. Um, also, uh, YouTube, you can find my YouTube channel, Bryce underscore 2k as well, where I put all my pods and episodes and coverage, uh, believe on Hawks is there, everything like that. So don't be afraid to go subscribe to your boy and then support the channel. Um, and then also if you also listen to the podcast, audio wise, believe on Hawks is available on every audio platform for podcast as well. If you want to, you know, like I said, keep up with what, uh, the season that I'm going to be covering with the Hawks this year and the network. So. Like I said, Nick, I appreciate you letting me come on, man, and, uh, you know, talking some Hawks with you. Yes, sir. Not a problem, man. Make sure to check all of that out. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and everywhere else that, you know, he covers the Hawks. Um, 
Make sure to follow us on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, at Love with TGB Ball. Make sure to follow myself and Nick Andre ATR. Make sure to subscribe on anywhere you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iHeart, you name it. And until next time, you guys, deuces.